0: Hi, I'm Timothy Fitz. I'm Jeff Lindsay, and this is Systems Live. Okay. Episode of uh, forty-eight. Uh, we we can say that. We'll we'll continue to say that. Uh, why you shouldn't do a startup? Question, why you question should, mark exclamation point? Why you shouldn't do a startup? I mean, what is even or a startup? join? Don't even bother. Get but out of first, the industry. But first.
1: This is about engineers, though, mostly. No, yeah, we, we're talking mostly, to our own experience. Mostly about engineers.
0: Yeah, for sure. But first, what uh, what have you been up to?
1: And we're doing that? Mm, I've been getting back into some consulting, getting ready to get try and find some sponsorships for open source projects. Still working on distributed systems, doku, no, actually not doku, um, service discovery stuff, Hopefully, Doku soon. That's one of the ones I gotta get sponsored. I get I get uh, uh, emails every day, like GitHub issues, just like never ending. I don't know. I think people are helping people out. Like I'm not doing anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you can you pull the open source community to start dealing with some of that?
1: I I guess like one of the like one of the main maintainers just kind of got burned out and he left, and then the others are are still there but just like not active. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically up to the community, and apparently a lot of the plugins that people have made, like there's not enough standardization that some of the plugins are doing really weird things when they interact.
0: Oh yeah, that's real common plugin system. Um,
1: I got a tweet from uh, what's his, is it? What's his first name? Jay Resig, that jQuery guy. John. John. Um, he's been using Doku, but he's like, I just lost data because the MongoDB plugin like overwrote some settings.
0: Wow. That's pretty awful.
1: Yeah. I really want to go in and fix that stuff. I just don't have time. So I'm trying to get somebody to sponsor. Luckily I have a, a good lead. Anyway, I think that's covers most of what I've been up to other than like trying to get back into the habit of things and fitness and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, and then you were on my honeymoon.
1: Yeah, you you dragged me along for that, and it was so bad that you just stopped. Well, you cut it short. So it's sort of, sort of. No, it was.
0: I mean, it was amazing. It was three weeks in Croatia three weeks. and Amsterdam. More than that, actually.
1: Okay, so you went to other places after.
0: Yeah, that. yeah, we went to Amsterdam and then Barcelona after your your Croatia.
1: I didn't even know that you came back though. I uh, somebody was like, oh yeah, Tim. And- Tim and Amanda are back.
0: Yeah, it's because like we weren't existing in the si- same like time span as anyone else because we were so we were off by eight hours. Which okay, is, which is a lot of jet lag. So we were like going to sleep at four thirty in the afternoon and then waking up at four a.m. and no one else was around. So figured it wasn't even worth telling anyone we were. There were being. a
1: couple of times where we could have done a systems live.
0: No, no, I was so <laughs> jet lagged, like I was incoherent.
1: What about last week? We could have done a systems. Yeah, like last week was the
0: first time we could have done it. I realized it day. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it was it was a useful break, I think, for me. Uh, okay. Yeah, and so then I've been working on uh, my my current video game project. You, this is
1: the same thing. one you've been working on for a while. Uh, yeah, I've been working on it conceptual for a while. Trees, planets. <laughs> planets.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, the the whole concept is uh, local uh, co-op. <laughs> vocal baldy player is what I'm calling it yeah with a V uh, because it's it's a game where at least half of the game is played by talking to each other and communicating and collaborating uh, and you, you're you four people on a spaceship and your spaceship crash lands on a planet and you have to find each other and then fix your ship and get off the planet that's cool so I'm going for like mostly non-violent mostly non-combat uh, cooperative
1: speaking of games I've been reading Masters of Doom again
0: yeah, so I read that fairly recently, and then we watched a Carmack Oculus talk oh, yeah. in Croatia, which is probably why you went back and read. Oh, yeah, really yeah,
1: that part of, that was part of it, but also I guess tech, I'm doing a new company, and so well, I guess that happened afterwards. But in doing that, like I'm actually working on a project with somebody, like you know, hanging out or like listening to music and like working at our, my dining table, and it's bit it's a feeling that I haven't had in a long time, like working together on something that's like you know building something. It's pretty cool. I haven't done that in a while.
0: So you feel a little bit like uh, the early parts of the, oh the book, oh the book, or the or the um, the Facebook movie, mm-hmm. House Party wired in.
1: Yeah, I mean I kind of like that too, sort of. Except they were making it very. You know, traumatic. Sure. Well, there, I mean, there's a little like bit... Is... Like, that didn't capture, like, what's actually cool about it as much. Because they're, like, off in their own world. But, like, what's fun is actually, like, being at a table across from someone, kind of, like, talking back and forth. Not, like, being in your headphones and just, like, looking down, right? Um, so, but that's funny, right? Because this episode is why you shouldn't do a startup. And I just said, I'm doing startup. But it's not actually a startup.
0: Or is it? Yeah, so that was, like, the first thing... That we started talking about is like, what is a startup? And you use you use what I would say the Hacker News version of the word startup, and the Silicon Valley version of the word startup, which is when you say startup, you mean Silicon Valley venture backed growth startup.
1: Silicon Valley implies tech.
0: Yeah, and Silicon Valley, I mean the ideals of Silicon Valley. It doesn't have to be in the valley; it can be anywhere. But they're all like trying to do the same thing: trying to grow real, real big, take funding. There's a fuse. You had a, a you know a James lot quote.
1: of yeah the ticking time bomb thing. But a lot of a lot of Silicon Valley startups are going to like deny being that.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think if you take venture capital, you know that you are a growth startup or you're dead. That's that's
1: It's the- usually at the point where they're like, "Oh, we've only, you know, we're self, you know, it's like ex-founders, you know, of a startup, they're doing something new. It's their money. Well, at that point, they're doing things a little bit smarter, right? They're not like taking money early on because they can actually fund themselves a little bit they might take a little bit extra but um, a lot of time like
0: i don't know that i would call that smaller because because uh, the goal there is usually retain ownership not build a company that's different from a company you could build the venture back startup
1: retain ownership it, like they want
0: a for like they want to have like they want to have more of a share of the company at the end of the day but they still want to go on the same trajectory like, they still want to be the growth startup. They still want to get the venture capital dollars. They still, they still want, want
1: the it. exit, but they yeah. want to make more from it.
0: Yes. Yeah. That, like, most most serial entrepreneurs are in that mindset because they, they know growth startups. Why not go do that again? And then I know of a few people who have exited, air quotes, exited the startup scene uh, who were serial entrepreneurs who went on to do non-growth, non-venture backed startups. They're still startups, though.
1: Yeah. We were recently talking about um, trying to find help for, uh, like, our brand. And we were just, like, investigating some marketing agencies. And we we're like, yeah, have you worked with a startup before? And we're in Austin. So startup meant, oh, yeah, we worked with a new restaurant and uh, and uh, this, this other, like, totally non-tech company.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the sort of generic the rest of the definition world, of yeah. the word startup is, like, the first two years of a new business. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's just time. So, but th- there's
1: a lot of meanings. There's one, being a tech startup, two, being a growth startup.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk mostly about tech, but I'm going to try and say venture-backed startup when I mean this lit fuse growth, survivor-die sort of mentality and culture. So
1: that's the primary thing we're talking about, that you shouldn't join one of those. Or should you? Or should you start one? Or shouldn't you?
0: Yeah, and so that's the other part is... Uh, Co-founder, founder co-founder versus employee. early early employee versus you know number 10 to 50 employee versus 50 plus like those are all very different sort of modes and operations and is no, a startup no. really a startup at 150 people
1: yeah no
0: yeah i would agree i would agree like or it's something very different
1: and then but we have so basically what are the options here We're talking if you're if if it's not a growth startup, what are the alternatives?
0: Yeah, so so the like lifestyle business or small biz, um, which I sort of see as like mostly linear growth instead of exponential growth. Um, There might be investors, there might be capital, but it's not venture capital. Mm -hmm. Um, It might not be institutional. It might be a bank loan. It might be friends and family money. It might be self-funded by the co-founders. It might be. There's all kinds of other forms of financing. Um, could still be a startup, you know. Could still be a brand new business, or you could just be like your employee for uh, a four-person company that's been around for 15 years. Super, mm-hmm. super common.
1: And linear doesn't necessarily mean like. I mean, linear can still be pretty steep. Like depending on yeah, there's there's uh, you know they're not or it could be a mild common, exponent,
0: uh, exponential even, but not the let's double every six months sort of. They're not
1: looking for a hockey stick.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and they're not, they're not looking at a linear graph and pretending that someday it'll be a hockey stick as mm, so pretending. many startups do. Um, yeah, and then there's sort of like the established corporations. I would actually say like any startup that's been around for four or five years or has crossed the sort of 200 employee line is not a startup anymore in the like venture backed sense. Like they've lost a lot of that like smallness and mobility and they look different. They're, they're in a different class. Um, and that doesn't make them necessarily Bad. It just makes them different.
1: So there's maybe large corporations and medium corporations.
0: Yeah, I, I would say like once you once you cross like 150 employees, I'd say like, medium-sized company, uh, once, like a medium sized
1: company. Once tech you can't email again. and have lunch. Well, with and the then, CEO. well, and then there's and then there's
0: large. So so large companies, you know, think Google, Apple, etc. And I was saying like the delineation between these sort of like medium sized companies and large ones is if you email the CEO, can you get like lunch? And you got to sit down with them, and at you know the Google, Facebook, the answer is not really. Uh, you know, you are going to have to work for it, and it's rare. Um, but but in a smaller company, you can do that, and that makes a big difference. Like that's mm-hmm. a very different corporate attitude. Like every every large company I've been in has had a weird personality cult around their CEO. Like everyone has opinions about this person they've literally never met. Mm-hmm. And tons of stories, like you know, I worked at Apple, and like you'd hear a Steve Jobs story every other day. Everyone has their favorite stories, and all of them have a hint of totally made up in them, but you'll never know. Um, and I saw the same thing at Google. I saw the same thing at Amazon with Bezos. Like it's uh, just like this weird, weird set of like common cultural values among really large corporations. Do you think
1: you'd, you that doesn't? Do you think that happens as much if it's a medium sized organization?
0: No, not at all. No, no, definitely. Like, like you get some so of that it's, it's people so, have it's sort of like because there's
1: a disconnect. It's like they're sort of a uh, the mythological in the, instead of yeah, real. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. You don't have an actual connection with them. You don't actually. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like my my experience at InView, like we grew and we got to the point where probably not everyone was having sit downs with the CEOs. We had uh, change of CEOs, but I I had had conversations with all the CEOs just in my day to day as an engineer, um, and as a technical lead. So it like. It just feels totally different you like you feel like they're a person and you can sort of understand their interests a little and it's way way different than the mythological uh beasts that everyone wants to prop up
1: i've never worked at a, at a
0: large organization
1: well i mean yeah that
0: didn't count <laughs> uh yeah my, i mean my my experience at apple was like less than a year a little less than a year and so, but there's another option. There's
1: consulting or freelance, which is not exactly, or maybe small business, or whatever lifestyle. But it's it's very different. It's sort of this free agent type of mentality.
0: Yeah, freelancer gets like a, a bad rep in terms of like programmers calling themselves freelancers make twenty dollars an hour instead of hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Like it's crazy. Um, and then like contractor versus consultant's almost the same thing. Like I can charge more if I say consultant. Mm-hmm. um Can but you? but
1: yeah. oh yeah i guess you know it's, it's true like some sometimes because technically you're a contractor like no matter what you're like technically whatever on paper i accounting wise you're a contractor but then there's the sort of the what you present yourself as are you a freelancer are you a consultant do you call yourself a contractor and certainly i've never called myself a contractor i'll say i do i might do contract work
0: right Right, and we'll sign a contract, but I'm a consultant. Yeah. So I actually had a, a peer who worked in, uh, in Rochester. By peer, I mean he was 20 years older than me. Um, and the company that he was working for, he'd capped out as a contractor. There's like, look, we can't pay you more than this dollar amount that we're paying you right now. We're firing you and rehiring you as a consultant, and then we can free up a larger budget. Like, it's just written into their budgeting constraints. Because hmm. um, they couldn't rationalize, they couldn't be like, oh, is a contractor actually worth this much? Whereas they say consultant do exactly the same job, suddenly, oh, you're worth a lot more. So it's weird like market pressures. But at the end of the day, what you actually are is a freelancer. You're a person who works on a contract contract basis. Maybe you bill by hour or work accomplished, but you're a free agent. You have
1: I like that free agent. That's a sort of neutral, you know. A free agent sounds a little like
0: someone's gonna hire you eventually, like you're you're up for sale or something. But but yeah, freelancer really Uh, really covers yeah. consulting and contracting okay. games okay. and and also being a full-time employee of a consulting shop and doing consulting is very different from being a freelance consultant you know like because if you're just a consultant hired by a small business you're really in a small business
1: yeah i mean if you're working it's almost the equivalent of working at a either a medium or a small business right if you're an employee of a consulting company
0: yeah I mean, it's a pretty cushy gig. It's, it's not a bad small business to be in for sure, and it's mm-hmm. it's probably one of the more common tech small businesses. It's mm-hmm. still charging per hour, and usually grew out of a single freelancer wanting to scale up.
1: I mean, I guess that's what like a lot of development shops are and stuff like that. There'll be you know small groups of contractors basically in that the services world, and then they're all they all complain. They're like, oh man, but products, man, we should build a product. Because it's not time for money, and da 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 da, da. and then they're like, we should turn into
0: a startup. Yep. Yeah, I've had that conversation with quite a few.
1: Everybody, like, I, I really don't see the problem with um, time for money, um, you know, because if you do it long enough and you, you figure out your angles, like, time for money is not a bad deal, you know? Yeah, I would agree.
0: I think the real problem is that the, these consulting groups grew out of freelance work, and... Mm they're propped up by the principles. So whoever the big names are, you know, the the DHH of 37 Signals, if DHH isn't there, 37 Signals doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so the real problem is that DHH has to continue to sell his time. And I don't know if this is true. I'm just using it as an example for some reason. But, But the big name has to continue to sell their specific time in order to sell the whole company. And so they can't walk away from it. They can't hire a replacement. They're stuck doing this job. Even though they're making more and more money, so it's not truly getting paid per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, they don't get this sort of like, I can build a product and then flip the company and walk away. You, know, you can't just walk away from a consulting gig or consulting company because you, your name is Unless so... Unless you've
1: transitioned to a product.
0: Yeah, and that's the, the benefit of products. The products you can buy and sell, the name and the brand and everyone, and no one really bats an eye when the people working on it change. You know?
1: Yeah, so you can't... Well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you can build a service services company and um, just make this machine like even have your name on it, but you're more removed from it. That's I mean, one yeah, like, of the point of like pivotal systematizing.
0: Is not, pivotal is very much not in this position. Like the, there's no like one person at Pivotal that if they left, Pivotal wouldn't exist anymore. And you can get there. But that's really hard for, for people to do. So there's those those are kind of the options in well, and then there's lots of other alternative organizations that are much more rare, and we want to do a whole podcast on sort of...
1: So we'll ignore those. Yeah, for now.
0: But so we're talking about not
1: working for a growth startup, because that's, that's we're taking sort of the devil's advocate position, because it's the default behavior of almost every engineer, particularly in the... I mean, it's sort of like what every engineer does in Silicon Valley, what most people, what most engineers. Um, come to Silicon Valley for, nobody's like, oh, I'm going to go to Silicon Valley and freelance.
0: Well, yeah, they're either, I want to go work at a big name company. Or do a startup themselves. Or I want to do a startup. Or I want to do a startup until I can work at a big company. Or I want to work at a big company until I can do a startup. What do you, th- like,
1: uh, Hmm. so, yeah, do you think more people actually come to do a startup or to work at a startup? Because I've always been there, so it's sort of, I don't know what people come oh, it's into... way Oh, it's way more
0: get employed by startups than start startups. Okay. Yeah, I guess people... that makes
1: sense. Because just the size of the big companies that are already size out. of the
0: big companies, but then also if you go and start a startup and fail out, like that may take three to nine months to fail out. Yeah. Because you're, you're early and you don't raise any money. And then what do you do? You get a, a day gig for a yeah, year. Yeah. And a, it's always it's it's it. easier
1: to get a job than to actually do a startup. Exactly. Exactly. So
0: and people sense. who do startups repeatedly often have to like float into normal jobs. Either from being acquired and then having golden handcuffs, or just like need to rebuild their cash base because they just spend it all self-funding. There's no, there's no one just cutting checks right now indefinitely. Like you can get into the incubators and get money, but you can't really repeatedly get into incubators, as far as I know. Although maybe there's some people doing that, just like doing NewsYC or not NewsYC, doing Y Combinator and then same thing. Yes, <laughs> it's all the same thing. Yeah, I did six months of NewsYC last year. <laughs> Uh yeah, like Y Combinator and then TechStars and then like back to back, it's like more incubators. Just keep giving away the same ten percent of your like you have no no equity in your company because there's nine incubators attached to it.
1: Well, it's it, it's funny because all these incubators that keep starting up because you know at, at one point there was no Y Combinator and then there was Y Combinator and now there's all these other kind of accelerator, you know, tech stars and stuff like that. Um, and that's just encouraging more people to do startups. Um. So that's that's interesting. Just in terms of like the dynamics of yeah, I mean the startup structure
0: are way up. The dollars are not that up, but the, the overall people in startups is not that dramatically up.
1: So why shouldn't we do a startup?
0: Why shouldn't we do a startup? I think first people need to hear sort of where we came from.
1: Oh, where we came from? How many, like how many
0: failed startups do we have between us?
1: Mm, mm.
0: And what's a failure?
1: What is a failure? I don't consider anything I've done a. Failure. Oh,
0: I consider something you've done a failure because
1: I lost you money. <laughs> Maybe, but I mean, we made up for it in friendship. No,
0: we. No, we definitely didn't. <laughs> we,
1: uh, you know. Yes, I learned not
0: to hand you five thousand dollars. Was it five thousand dollars?
1: I mean, honestly, that's so not you don't that even much. remember it. I do. so... That's not even that much.
0: I think at the time it was like a third of my savings.
1: Yeah, it's we were young. We were really young. young. Was like Twenty-two only um, one.
0: Yeah, so so okay, so DevJavu, so DevJavu happened. Um... Yeah, that's
1: interesting. You know, DevJavu was sort of the first. Like, I did a lot of like pseudo startups before, like through, all throughout my life. Like these kinds of projects that were sort of supposed to turn into companies that just kind of so almost was more or less funded
0: one though. Yeah,
1: it, it, they they all, they all almost ended in the same way that Dev DevJavu did too. <laughs> that's not that surprising. Um, and uh but you know i guess the lessons learned there were you know certain things like like i was talking about like hustling if you don't have somebody to hustle and and take care of like that's it's not worth doing it's not worth like wasting your time actually i think that comes back to like i use that phrase a lot like i don't think people should waste their time um doing startups sometimes uh that's Especially because a lot of people, and well, then, then there is all the like, you know, I am doing a startup for money purposes or whatever. Um, but you know, in the long term, it's a gamble, and it's a gamble that you are most likely not going. You know, it's you are probably going to lose. You are at a casino basically, um, and so, and I don't even, I don't even do that. I am just not that kind of person. Like, I, I don't go to casinos. It just seems so silly to like, you know, I don't get a, a rush from like. I don't, I don't even get that. That's a whole different thing. But I'm like, do you get that? Do you ever go and like gamble?
0: I can understand it.
1: There's like poker, but that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's different. I mean, because like the fun of poker is playing poker. Yeah, yeah it's like whereas the like you know slots, the fun of slots is the idea that I might make some money right now, but I can't. I can't turn off the part of my brain that goes, I'm strictly losing money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I tried. We lived in North Lake Tahoe for like four months, right next to the casino. The casino had free. Uh, live music every Friday and Saturday to get you in the door um, and it was like the big locals thing so I'd spent a lot more time in a casino than I ever thought I would uh, and I think that I, I put maybe $20 into slots once and I think I made a little money and then I walked away yeah yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, weird.
1: But so uh, I kind of think that startups, uh, obviously, I mean, that's why people are afraid to do them because, oh, it's a gamble, right? But now it's like yeah, it's there right. are certain kind of people that will do it anyway. Um, yeah. And I guess some of them do it because it's a gamble and some of them do it because I like to think a lot of tech people do it because they want to do something in tech. And they're like, well, I can either join a big company or I can do a startup. And if I don't like working in a big company because I have problems with authority or something like that, which is very common, sort of that hacker, you know, mindset or whatever, that engineering type of personality, um, they're like, well, ideally, I'd like to do my own thing and have my own, you know, it's not even, it's not always about the gamble or the the money.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, like if you if you really want to write closure and, you know, use whatever random distributed version control system and, and all those fun things. If you just want to pick everything, you have to do a startup. Mm-hmm. You have to be early at that startup, early enough to make those decisions. Well, what's
1: interesting is you have to do your own company. You don't necessarily have to do right. what people consider a startup or a growth startup or a VC-backed startup or whatever.
0: Right, and and there are also, you know, there's, there's, there's areas in large organizations, R&D or new project, new development or whatever, where, you know, you can pick all of your own tools and technologies. But at the end of the day, you'll have some corporate overload with some, some interest in your project. Um, the crappy thing about startups, though, is that you just trade corporate overlord for venture overlord. And venture overlord, you know, they love to say, well, we just put money in and we let you do your thing. And that's not really true. Like, they're not sitting there making technical decisions for you. But as soon as you take that venture capital, your startup has to grow or die in the next year repeat forever repeat until it gets acquired um or it goes public which almost nobody does anymore
1: you know i guess people could say though as a freelancer free agent you have that same problem
0: yeah so now you trade you trade one corporate overlord or venture-backed overlord and now you have every client is your tiny little overlord Mm -hmm. um and sometimes that's worse sometimes your clients are awful uh, but you're like you're like well I've I've proportioned off two months for this person and if I don't make that money then I won't be able to sign a contract fast enough um, and you get stuck working for bad clients that are way worse than you would ever do a startup with or uh,
1: but usually if you can avoid that like there's reasons why but you can always quit
0: like right yeah. away you can always just flip a switch and leave
1: you so when you're doing freelance or free agent or whatever um, it's usually shorter term engagements. Like, I've done year-long engagements as a, as a contractor. I'm essentially a, a, an employee, but I just didn't want to be an employee. Um, and... So, it's usually shorter term. So, it's like, oh, you can move on. Like, if it turns out to not be that great, it's kind of like lightning talks. You know, it's like the whole point is that, like, if it sucks, it's only five minutes, right? Yep. So, if this gig sucks, it's only going to be like a few months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is you usually get to pick, you know, you can usually be more choosy. You get to a certain point and you'd be like, no, I'm going to tr- turn this down or this doesn't sound like something I want to do. Um, you can find a better match, you yep. know? Um, the, but the, I think the thing that I really like is. You know, this is coming from having just sort of played around with the idea of being an employee again at a startup um, is you don't have to deal with the drama and complexity of an organization especially the chaos of a, a growth oriented startup so it's like when you when you join a, a, a company like so much of your time and maybe it's part of it's because of being an introverted or something like that and being like a systems thinker it's like I want to fix all the organization's problems But it's like there's uh, politics and like people aren't sure how to make decisions and like not everybody's on the same page and you have all these concerns that are important like oh you got to hire the right people so you spend your time doing interviews or figuring out how to hire people and engineers resources are pulled into HR types of things or whatever you're and you're arguing about product or, or whatever right and um like that's so – none of those concerns are important when you're uh, you know, doing uh, contractor or consulting stuff. It's well, like so actually- your, your relationship is with usually one other person. It's a very simple relationship. It's one point of contact. <coughs> and when you're not in communication with them, you're sort of it to, in complete control of your time and you don't have all these other distractions. You might be working with other people um, depending on the size of the project or the type of project that you're doing. But it's like your expectation is to get work done, not participate in the politics and drama of this organization because you've bought into it. You're now uh, like like I remember when I started working at at Twilio, I kind of went into it as like, oh, this is the first time I've worked as an as an employee of a of a startup, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and make this my home. So I'm invested in it. I'm like, well, I want this to be a great place because this is where I decided to be. This is where I've decided to, like, you know, it's sort of becoming part of my identity and all this stuff. So you get wrapped up in that, and um, you just don't have any of that when it's... This so I actually I actually have personally have
0: a gradient in my freelance work, which is really interesting. So I, I charge different rates and do different types of projects. Um, when I'm doing programming projects, it's very much what you just said. Yeah. I'm at arm's length. I have a contract that says exactly how I interface with the organization and I don't feel a part of the organization. I don't want to build the best thing for them, so I'm not necessarily like only looking at my own code, but relative to other types of projects, I'm only looking at my own code. But then I do these consulting gigs where it's okay, your process is broken. Your as in like you know you want to do continuous deployment right now you're having trouble shipping weekly I come in and I work on the whole gamut of problems and my ideal scenario there is I come away as an advisor with advisory stock and I have an ongoing relationship for years and so now I'm much more invested but I'm still not day-to-day invested mm-hmm. um, and in those projects it's almost exclusively going into all of the bad parts of startups because I'm, I'm being brought into
1: the drama the...
0: A, a, well and specifically they, they wouldn't be reaching out to me if there wasn't extra drama um, and, and so what I find is that I get stuck right into the drama and at almost every startup that I've done consulting for I've had to do interpersonal relationship consulting I, you know it's, I've been well okay you think you have a continuous deployment problem but really your CTO and your DevOps person and your CEO haven't sat down and had a real conversation that where they spoke the same words and actually understood each other in two months. That's Mm -hmm. your whole problem. Um, And I charge twice my programming hourly rate for those gigs because it's so much more drama and so much more stressful. And when you're in a startup, that's all it is. Like you, you're right in that drama.
1: Yeah. It's funny as an engineer, whether a contractor or an employee, um, even if you're in, you can't, you can't do anything about those problems. for whatever reason like you know if you're whereas if you're a consultant and that's what the expectation is is that they're going to it seems like you can never change those problems from the inside when that's not your role it's like nobody like you might say stuff and it might be useful but it usually doesn't you know really make change because it's not you know that's not your job
0: one of my one of the the most I don't know amusing parts of consulting to me and I, I didn't know this going in and i I I had, uh, I've had the privilege to work with some other consultants on multi-consultant gigs, and I've got to see them working. And, and probably 20% of what I do, maybe 30% of what I do, is I go to the engineers and I say, what is wrong? What are you either not telling management about, or what are you telling management if they're not listening? And I write that down. And then I go to management and I say, here's what your employees just told me that they're either always telling you yeah. or they're you know not telling you. And it's right. Like all I have to do is like sign my name on that on the bottom of that sheet of things that they should do, and they go, "Oh yeah, all of this makes sense. Everyone's been asking for this, like you said. We'll we'll do that now." Yeah. And it's just like, why did you need me? Like, yeah. But but there's something about the like neutral third party right. arbiter, whatever,
1: someone to to sort of uh, verify or validate like
0: some of those. There's a little validation, but I honestly for the most part I've never I've never sat down and written down a list of those things and been like this is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like oh, your employees are terrible. I've never had that happen. Every single time it's you should have listened to them. Yeah. You should have listened to them. It's the
1: listen. weirdest thing that people don't like trust. It's like even when they do, they don't always fully trust people that work for them. Yep. It's it's a really weird dynamic. It's
0: I think it I think it sort of stems from power structures and hierarchies. When you get promoted up the hierarchy, you just start to form the opinion that people at the top of the hierarchy know more than people at the bottom and are smarter and can solve problems that people at the bottom can't. Uh And that's not true. Like It's it's like scientifically proven biases of when you come into power, you think people below you're dumber, specifically dumber. So, okay, you might not have the information that I do because I have privileged information. So maybe I can make different decisions that are better for the business, but if I just shared that information with you, mm-hmm. you would make the same level of, of decision making or close to it.
1: right? So that's interesting, um, kind of going off in the consulting land a little bit um, but you know, I, I guess the topic that we should try and focus on is why you shouldn't be joining a startup and there's some points that you can pull out of that you know, if you work at a startup, you're immediately sort of you know, you, you fall into a particular role as an engineer or whatever. If you're an employee, yeah, um, uh, early employees are a little different.
0: Um, yeah, like I would, early engineers. Here's here's the person you don't want to be. Employee number one. Employee number one is the worst possible position to be in a startup. I would never be that again. And I was that. And even though I knew it going into it, and I negotiated for like a lot more stock than employee number one normally gets, it still wasn't worth it as employee number 1 but like, like so the problem is that because I would have thought that that would be a better thing to be well here's the problem as co founder, you're getting a huge amount of stock. Mm-hmm. 30, 40%.
1: Oh, it's like the it's like a bang for buck, like weird spot. It's like. Yes,
0: it's the worst possible place. Yeah. As employee number one, they're going to. You're not a founder. You're not a founder, so you're going to get like 1% or a half percent. Right.
1: Maybe two or three. But you're, you're going to really get lucky. almost near founder like responsibility. Founder like responsibility and, and, and risk.
0: And, you know, they're going to yeah. pay you like minimum wage or right. real close to it. Right. And be like, well, the stock should be worth it. And you're going to have all the drama and 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 here's the worst part at the point where they hit 20 or 30 people they don't necessarily want to grow with you whereas co-founders are so hard to get out or replace that it's like okay you're the co-founder therefore you get to be the cto we pick that you're the cto of our 50 person company even though we're a four-person company right now and like as as early uh founder co-founder you get this like different growth rate where you scale with the company i time time again i see like oh yeah i was the first employee uh, and I'm still a, just an engineer on the ground. Like, mm-hmm. I, people just kept getting hired above me and hired above me, and it's like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. So, so first employee is worse. Also, the difference in stock between first employee and fifth employee is usually, like, not much at all. Like, mm-hmm. maybe you got 1%, and the fifth employee got 0.8%, or maybe you got 0.2%, and the fifth employee got 0. 0.15. It's not much at all, but the difference in risk is huge, because probably the fifth employee came after a Series A, and real stability, and I also I see, the first employee can't successfully renegotiate their salary fast enough. So if you're in a hyper uh, growth startup and you, you take a series A and your company scaling correctly, you need to be renegotiating your salary like every six months because you need to go from like, okay, I'm making 30K, which isn't just silly low to I should be making 60K. I should be making 90K. I should be making 120K. Okay, I'm, I'm benchmarking correctly with everyone else. Now I need to be making more because I'm that much better than everyone else. And companies just will never do that For for whatever reason They just utterly fail at recognizing The increase in worth of an existing employee Mm -hmm. Um, And employees are real gun shy At at arguing that stuff The few that negotiate well Make two or three times as much The people who don't negotiate well
1: So if you were going to join a startup Don't
0: join as number one Or know these things and negotiate on that basis
1: Well certainly don't be employee one if you want to take this risk, I would you know maybe join a five ten person startup.
0: Yeah, so, so that's the other thing is this idea of like risk. Uh, how much risk is there? Honestly, like you you get a bunch of money to be employee number five. You get a little bit of stock that's probably worthless, and then when it burns out, you can just be hired at another startup. To me, that's not the big problem with startups everyone's like oh it's real risky i don't know if i want to make the plunge it's not much of a plunge shut up the real problem is do you I really mean, most people work?
1: in silicon valley understand that like because there's just so many of them uh, engineers are like whatever i'm gonna work at a startup well of course you are yeah
0: people have been through it for a couple years yeah but then it's also really easy to like self-rationalize like oh it's, it wasn't that bad yeah um the real problem is the like okay let's work 12 hours seven days a week Okay, let's just burn you out. Let's just run you at a burnout pace. Why? Because you'll be a millionaire. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. That dream is bullshit. That's the one I really want to call bullshit on. This idea that you should do more than is rational right now based on the idea that you might get a lot of money. And if you run the numbers, it's just not true. Like, your odds are not that good of getting not that much money. And then the government will take a lot more than you expect.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I forgot after thinking about this for so long. Is it's that whole kind of protecting the the life. I mean, a lot of people talk about um, work life balance in their startups and stuff like that. Um, but the dynamics that come from being growth oriented and VC backed, like it really creates and from you know early employees and founders, they create a they oftentimes creates a culture. Um, where it might not even be col- uh, conscious, but like of just working way more than you should. And some people really oh, like that, but like right. it's just not worth it. Like in that case, like I don't, I don't think people realize it, but you, when you have like a full time job, uh, you're, uh, you know, at a, at a let's say, uh, you're uh, getting a hundred thousand a year kind of thing, and, and you're ultimately making like something like $50 an hour. Um, and you're putting in, all this time, but you're not actually getting money for that time. Right. So it actually doesn't make sense financially. And the, and the, the reason why people like it, I guess, is for the stability, right? Um, but also because they're, uh, you know, in theory, they're making something great and that there's this huge, like, uh, uh, you know, win. It's a gamble that they're potentially able to win if they work hard enough or something. Um, and, uh oh yeah they might make a lot of money but that's not true right
0: yeah i mean sure it's theoretically true and you know we're probably lined up for small windfalls those small windfalls don't pay for the opportunity cost of not doing other work so yeah it's 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 a cash losing proposition for sure like without without question um, co-founder, obviously, like, if you want $20 million, if you want the chance at $20 million, like, startup's a way to do it. Um, but there are other ways, too. Like, that's not, it's not the only way, and it's also not necessarily the best way. Um, climbing the corporate ladder at, you know, Google, Apple, whatever, you can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, and you're gonna make, you can make that much over time in a safe way you're not going to get it at a lump sum but getting it at a lump sum is not actually good that's way more annoying than making it effectively and efficiently over the course of your whole career
1: right yeah it's interesting that it actually makes um, uh, it's funny you know, when I was younger I was like oh man I would never work at a big company but now like if I were to you know I, I still wouldn't work at a big company but like if I had to choose it, it it is a little bit more appealing to work at a medium or large organization and, and if I were to go down the path of that employee and i'm just gonna kind of work at a company as an employee it makes almost more sense to to do that
0: yeah i mean i i think we both sort of um have been around enough that now we're both assertive on how our our work life is and so if either of us went to a big company we'd just be like these are the rules if you want to play with them great otherwise i'm going to another big company that will offer me this Um, and a lot of people in big corporations get lost, they lose themselves and their own identity and what they want in the greater goal of you're interchangeable and you can be moved around and you do what we tell you to do. Um, and I think that, that mind shift of no, 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 I have power. You want me. This is how the relationship's going to be. Um, and, and I'm willing to take less money. I'm willing to take, uh, you know, whatever, whatever requirements you impose on me that I can. Stomach, I'm willing to take those in exchange for a different lifestyle and a different work style. Um. So yeah, so that's that's a few reasons why you shouldn't do a startup. Feel like well, why m- you
1: shouldn't join, but why why shouldn't you start a startup?
0: Why shouldn't you start a startup? So, as an engineer, kind of it kind of comes to why should you start a so like why why do you want to start the startup in the first place? And some people just want to work on cool shit. If mm-hmm. you want to work on cool shit, get a gig in R and D. You will have a lot more fun. Because you won't have to go through all of the. Uh, well, you make it sound so easy. Uh, it's not that hard. Just apply. Like there's there's actually a lot of R and D positions, and if you're good enough to, to start your own startup, you're good enough to figure out how to get an R and D gig mm-hmm. or how to get a a gig working on the tooling and the software that you want to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one reason why that that person shouldn't start a startup. Um, but there are lots of reasons to start startups. Another one is like I have this vision or this product that I want to create. Mm -hmm. Um the problem there is that people think I need fifty people to make this happen. And the way to get fifty people is to go do the venture game and then, oh, I'll get to sell the product and make lots of money and walk away. And it turns out that the people who love their products and make products they love are always disappointed with the venture back process. Because one, venture brings its own strings. Two, growth brings its own strings. And three, once you get acquired, someone's going to shit all over your product.
1: Mm-hmm. The vision thing I, I really don't get because obviously I'm, I'm a vision person. Not like I'm, I'm going to want to do my own thing. I have a particular idea of how to do it. Um, and what I've realized is it, it, entrepreneurship a lot of the time is um, so much about letting go of your vision. Like It's more about going through that process of, um, I guess, what you'd call like customer discovery. right? It's like you might have a vision, but you really need to refine it and be very open to going down a completely different path or doing something completely different and a lot of vision people can't let go of their vision right and that actually yep. makes them a bad entrepreneur um, in my mind
0: yes yeah that that's that, that sort of gets me to the to the biggest reason why you shouldn't do startups which is that so many new people are pouring into startups thinking this is how I make big companies from scratch that if you start a startup, you'll be starting it with people who have never done it before and you'll be working for people who have never done it before you'll be working with them and they're terrible. Like, like the, the story you don't hear about startups is ironically the median story. Like, the median sto- startup doesn't fail because they tried really hard and they made a product but they mistimed the market or they had engineering difficulties solving a really hard technical problem. That never happens. That's not it. The, like, median failure startup is there were three co-founders there were two co-founders there were four co-founders and some of them didn't get along and it blew the startup up before anything happened like like what combinator has this hilarious thing where they play musical chairs like they know i I don't even know what the number is 20 30 percent of the startups won't make it to demo day won't make it three months and the the reason is like not like oh technology wasn't right it's either oh we literally don't have an idea we care about which means, like, you don't have people who are passionately engaged with each other or you have fighting. And then, mm-hmm. like, the startups break up. And because of why Combinators, like, the way they shuffle people around, they're like, oh, just go, go work for one of these guys who's actually, you know, not doing so poorly. Yeah. Um, and that's been, that's sort of been the experience that I've seen over and over and over again, which is that small startups, even if they're considered successful, even if they raise an A or a B round and get to 20, 30 employees, have people way over promoted. Mm-hmm. who just don't know what they're doing and it's great to be that person because you get to learn on the job and you get this huge growth in skill set and you get this huge growth in your yeah. resume Um, you know like I've profited from this I got to be the CTO and I never was a CTO mm-hmm. before and I got to hire people and be a direct manager and I never was before and I profited sort of at the expense of my direct reports who mm-hmm. had to have a first time manager and had to deal with the fallout of you know people disagreeing over product this direction this happens
1: so often
0: It is it is the rule not the exception yeah. And it's not talked about. It's not the common story. Yeah. The story that is the, you know, the HBO Silicon Valley TV show is the story that everyone sees. Like, oh, they bicker, but then they get back together and the band works it out and then their technology algorithm saves the day. No, that's not, that's not what happens. And in fact, the startups that succeed often succeed in spite of the terrible co-founders who they just drag along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll see, you'll see, like, oh, this startup's successful. Let's talk to their CTO. These ideas are awesome. Let's let's Im- imitate it. And like, the reality on the ground is that sales outsold the product and caused the product to grow. And the product was terribly built, but it didn't matter. Or, or out, it survived its own terrible builtness. Yeah. Um, or sometimes yeah. the other way around. You know, you have a great product and terrible sales, but the product manages to sell itself. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so that's kind of a,
1: another reason. Like when you're going into a startup, uh, first of all, never gonna do it alone. Uh, I would never do uh, a startup alone. Venture backed,
0: like growth startup, or, or any, any any.
1: Well, honestly, anything. Just because for me, it's like you need. I need like a balance, right? Someone to kind of keep you in check. Yeah, emotional you know, energy.
0: That's another big one that people don't.
1: I mean, there's there's motivation. There's like keeping, uh, you know, keeping, but keeping you grounded, you grounded yeah. keeping you honest. Um, so I wouldn't do any, any project, regardless if it's a company or startup, but definitely a startup wouldn't do a startup, a growth-oriented startup without another person. And that's really hard. Like, it has to be the right person. Not just like someone that you get along with and that you, that you can work with, but someone that, uh, you know, helps the organization. Like, I'm certainly not a, uh, you know, hustler. And so that's kind of like, if I were to ever do a startup, Uh, particularly a startup, this isn't as important for like a small, you know, kind of lifestyle company. But if I were to do a startup, like the hustle aspect is so important, um, that I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, I'd have to push myself to do that and I wouldn't at the expense of doing anything else. So it's sort of, so I'd have to work with somebody that can do that, that hustle. Um, and it's really hard to find like a good person like that and someone that you can work with. Yeah, there's a, there's a
0: lot of hustle in people without the skills or the or the area expertise, and then not a lot of hustle in the people who know enough because they don't have to hustle. Yeah.
1: So there's there's a lot of and the reason why I, for, I wouldn't do a startup is because it has to be something. This is so many things have to align, right? Because knowing like what makes you know increases your chances, right? Not a finding a good person to work with who and together somehow, whether it's you or with them or them, uh, can hustle. And you have um, you know a particular you know either right time, right place, or you know you found the right. You already have a good idea of that there is a market. You know, kind of already got that idea. You know, because otherwise you're just going to kind of keep trying stuff and keep going through that customer discovery and ultimately not do. And at that point, you're just kind of doing whatever. Like, that's the whole thing I don't, again, like, I don't really like about being being an entrepreneur or a serial entrepreneur is you have to have that um, flexibility. You can't be holding on to stuff.
0: Yeah. So we were, uh, when we were in Croatia, you we were watching the Ford documentary. And I think Ford versus uh, Elon Musk is like an interesting sort of, contrast especially in the today's world of like people angry at uber so ford uh started a startup to build a a car for everyone Mm -hmm. and his venture backers were pissed Mm -hmm. they kept wanting him to work on luxury vehicles because there was an obvious market for luxury vehicles and ford's vision was "No, no no we make one that's half as expensive and twice as reliable and then we'll just sell uh as many as we possibly can and he ended up like cheating those guys and lying to them the, his yeah. venture his venture people just so he could keep working on this sort of uh, everyman car and then that failed that utterly failed and he had to go and like do his own grassroots marketing and find venture backers who would explicitly agree to his vision of the everyman vehicle yeah um whereas you compa- uh, contrast that with elon musk who's like i want to build the electric car for everyone, but the only way to get there is to make all of these compromises. I have to build a rich person toy as my first one, the, the Roadster. And I don't, I mean, that other little derogatory way, but also I've driven one. It's a really, really fun rich person toy. Uh, you know, and then and then the Model S, which is okay now. It's it's classy, but it's, it's so expensive. It's 80, yeah. 85, $90,000. Uh, so it's, it's still like Elon Musk's vision of bringing the electric car to the masses comes out as bring luxury goods to rich people. Yeah. And, and to me, like that's, that's not the kind of industry I want to be in. like, that's not where the, big how many, are, how many has to, he has to. Get and through. how many years does
1: he put into that? And he's someone who has resources and, and has all this, you know, it's like he had to give, you know, e- even if it's temporary, like give up on your vision to maybe get a chance at your vision. Yeah. And like space, dedicate your life to it almost. SpaceX's right?
0: like ultimate vision is populate Mars. like, Holy shit. But to get there, it's like send defense satellites into the world in a hope that we don't blow it all up. Like, like the amount of compromise you have to make to the point where you're not working on your vision. Like for, for the most of your startup. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're early. If you're early at your startup, you miss the people that actually get the magical moment of working on the cool thing. Um so all those compromises. And then what if what if the thing you want to build, there's no Early market, early adopter, evangelist, rich people, whatever, patrons that can sort of fund development that gets to the mass market version, then you can't do a venture back startup. You have to do something else. Yeah. I, mean,
1: I was just thinking about, you know, when you're young, uh, young engineer and you're in Silicon Valley and, you, and stuff, like it's almost better that you don't know better, you know, because, <laughs> um, you'll try and you'll fail and you'll learn stuff. Um, or you might happen to, by luck and, and you know, effort or whatever, right place, right time, and, and all this stuff, or you just happen to have been working with the right people, you succeed. Um, it's sort of like kind of win-win in a way. You know, It's like you're either going to fail and you learn, and it's fine. Um, so you know, it's interesting. To me, though, that's t- – I, I don't know. Maybe it's because you get older and, you, and, and all this stuff – and you're more protective of your time, I guess. But when you're young, it's sort of like it's easier to just waste your time on something that... Well, your
0: time was less valuable and you understood how to market it less well. Yeah. And and uh, I mean, if you had the economic freedom that you do now to work on whatever you want, I don't think you would have done startups so much. I think you would yeah. have done small businesses more. Although, I don't know. I don't know. We were both sort of like in the dream a little. Like, like we both had grown up on sort of growth entrepreneurs is like ideas of what we wanted to be. Yeah. For whatever reason. Um, so then just to contrast it a little, like what what's the real reason to do a startup? What's the real reason to be there? Um, and for me, for me, it was always, like I went into Inview day one, I was like, look, I will quit and do a startup after this. Like th- that's what I want to do. But in the meantime, I'm going to learn as much as I can from you and I'm going to pour in my effort as much as I can. And going in with that mindset of, I'm trying to come out of this company much, much better personally. And then if I lost money doing the startup, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, like I honestly, when I was going into startups, I was looking not at big businesses as the other option or, or jobs or even money. I was looking at education. I was looking at dropping out. I was looking at mm-hmm. college. And I said, I like in view is my college. In view mm-hmm. is how I learn how to do startups and software and projects. And I got that out of it. And the people who didn't go in with that, you know, not just the MV, but to other startups, people who go into startups for money or people who go into startups for this growth dream, um, they burn out. They get burnout by people who ask them to do things that are that are bad for them, and they just don't understand the right way to take it on and the right the right arguments to have and the right fights to pick.
1: Yeah, you kind of have different depending on what your expectations are and what you want to get out of it. Your behavior changes, so yeah, um, you're going to get out of it what what you wanted going into it in a way you know it's like or you might not get it but like two people with different expectations you know one might get a lot more out of it because they had the right expectations going in the right or aligned
0: expectations yeah yeah for sure um because i mean in all the startups i've been in there have been a lot of different people with sort of different ideas of what they want to get out of it i mean if you had a bunch of sales and marketing people who i'm pretty sure dollars were the only thing they gave a shit about um and that was fine in their little compartments and they had people above them making sure that they couldn't really influence too much of the rest of the business in a negative way. Um, and then we had a bunch of people who just really cared about growing the business I and mean, we had a few people who just cared about the users and like really didn't care about anything else and you could sort of see their voices percolate throughout the the organization. Um, and these are, these are oversimplifications. Everyone's sort of a gradient of all of these things. Um, and... Uh, And then I've seen startups where, like, there's people who who really think, I hustle for a couple years, and I make lots of money, and I leave, and those people inevitably burn out faster than they think they can hustle, and then go get big corporate jobs, and that was what they should have done in the first place. They should have gone for the big corporate job, because the big corporate job will reward your hustle in a very direct one-to-one fashion. Yeah. Um, you know, if you hustle at a big corporate job and show your manager that you hustle, you'll get promoted regularly. Yeah. That's roughly how it works with politics, and I'm simplifying a bunch. But it's way more straightforward. Um, and if you pick a good big company, you know, like Facebook right after the IPO or something, if you've been there three or four years, you make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like a serious amount of money and probably more than you ever would in the startup, even if it hit and you were employee number 30 or something. You're not going to make that much.
1: Yeah. So, like I was saying earlier, I would never, you know, personally, I still wouldn't join a big company. But in terms of like, if I were to, you know, you know, tell people what I think they should be doing, um, you know, a long time ago, it would have been like, do a startup, do a startup, whatever. Um, Now it's very much not that, and the idea of working for a big company um, is is something that I would is more likely that I would encourage. Um, It's a different path. It really depends on what you're trying to get out of it and what you're trying to do, but. Um, it seems like there are a lot of reasons not to do a startup and it's just kind of silly that so many people are sort of doing it by default, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think figuring out what's going to satisfy you in life is really, really, really hard. But the the more granular and specific you can state that, like, I want to work at a company that changes the world for reason X. As soon as you can say that, then you can go, okay, well, would, how... how um how much would venture back to capital help that mission, and how much would it hurt? It's always going to do both, um, and in most cases, it, it doesn't line up. Your incentives are so off that yeah. the stress of trying to do both at the same time yeah. will just rip you apart.
1: And again, talking about this in the, in, from the perspective of you know engineers, like for some people, you know, salespeople, they might be like, I've been doing sales for a long time, and I really want to do like I want to build a company, or I want to you know do so and so. It's like um, they have different incentives. They might be drawn towards doing a startup, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. But you know, as an engineer, it seems more likely that your incentives and what motivates you. Um, there's actually a lot more, al- better alternatives. Um, so, man, I wish we could have more interaction, but we just didn't have a big live audience today. For yeah, we to, to drill us more on on
0: this. We haven't been so great at. Uh doing it regularly hustle. with all of the, the, the hustle summer. yeah neither of us are, are podcast hustlers apparently um, but no what, so we're, we're going to do the next one on the 13th yes it will be a Saturday yes there's a, a slight change
1: yeah one of the things that um, we probably bring it up in, in another context but the idea of product vision you know that whole thing giving up on product vision just because, like, and it relates to this, in the, you know, I was telling you about how the, uh, I recently had to defend, you know, why am I not doing a startup? It's like, given everything that you're doing, it seems like it makes sense that you should be doing a startup. Why are you not doing a startup? I guess I've kind of touched on that before, but... Why are you not, not
0: doing a startup?
1: Why am I not doing a startup? Yeah, why are you not doing
0: a vc back startup?
1: Oh. Because of all the strings, man. No, I don't have the hustle. I don't have the time. I can't dedicate... You know, I don't want to, I think the thing I was saying for the longest time is, uh, it, like you said, you know, you really have to, the way I phrase it, the way I think about it is you have to dedicate your life to it for a certain amount of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I, I can't do that. Yeah, pretty much,
0: pretty much to the exclusion of all other right. things. Like yeah. everyone I know in startups has given up on significant social obligations. They've, you know, gained weight. They've gotten less in shape, like overall. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are obviously exceptions to each of these. Uh, but for the most part, it's really hard on your body.
1: Yeah, so just ha- having these constraints, I still feel like I can do what I want and in a way actually have more control over the vision of the thing by not being uh, going down a path that will make you go down and have certain compromises. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, So the, the compromises. To me, the whole reason that I'm not doing a venture-backed startup is that the ideas and the things that I want to build Aren't being done by startups, and that's why they're not being built. Like there's there's too many startups, and they're all focusing on the subset of problems that can map okay to hypergrowth, and so they're all fighting each other for a, the one hypergrowth winner. Um, I guess like a, an analogy is like right now the iOS app store has on any given day about a hundred people making money, and everyone else making almost nothing. Like the long tail is not that efficient. Um, whereas like other other app economies like Steam and things like that, they have a huge long tail and you can build a $100,000 a year project. Yeah. Uh, and, and that just doesn't, doesn't really exist in the iOS world in the way that everyone thinks it does.
1: Well, it's interesting because I, that, that it's, that's an analogy I use for doing um, tech stuff versus um, doing more creative artistic stuff. And it's funny because a lot of the examples you gave are things like games and stuff like that. But, like, what happens when you do tech, like pure tech, like I'm doing, building some tool, infrastructure, whatever, um, your your uh, metric of success is, is about utility, um, right? Does it solve a problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, at the end of the day, like a big startup thing. What problem are you solving? Um and with tech stuff, you're, you're trying to solve a problem. Most engineers, if you're building a library or building any kind of tool for other engineers, it's very much like, what problem does this solve for me, right? Um, and at the end of the day, that's how your your work is judged. And the thing is, is if it is a actual problem that a lot of people actually have, it's it's guaranteed that other people will have identified that problem and will also be working on that problem coming up with a solution for it. So it becomes uh, it, it, it sort of um, uh, devalues your to me what's important is doing things that are original um, And in tech it's really hard to do anything original. Um, purely original and doing startups it's very hard to do anything that's actually you know terribly original too because you're you know it's got to be and it almost comes out in the dynamics in Silicon Valley It's everybody's doing this you know me too type of thing yep. right um, and so to contrast that with uh, doing something you know in other mediums or fields like uh, film or games or music or something like that you have um, it's It's you're not solving a problem, Uh, you know. In a way, you kind of are, maybe indirectly, but it's not. It doesn't have the same dynamic where if two people make the same film, like quote unquote same film, which happens a lot in Hollywood. You know, there's like two movies about asteroids or two movies about each other
0: in the middle of each other making (laughs) films.
1: And it's not always cloning, like direct cloning. Sometimes it's just this emergent, almost the exact same thing with technology. Is like you're. It's completely different places, but the, the context is set to you where you'll very likely come to the same conclusion. Um, and, and in tech, it's like, oh, well, one of you is going to become the winner, right? right. And with films, and in Hollywood, it's a business, one of, one of those two films will be the winner, but they're still both maybe good films, and people will prefer one or the other. And so they both have value, they both have a unique perspective, and they both have, you know, regardless of their financial success, like, they'll have other a different kind of success.
0: Yeah, it does it's it's frustrating to me that we like most likely won't see a world where there's Uber, Lyft and a couple other competitors. Like more than likely we're just going to see one of, one of those them. just dominate because they see it as a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. And that's the game they're playing. And and at the end of the day like Uber is just going to keep raising more and more money until they can destroy all competition. Mm-hmm. That is their goal. Um, and that's not really the kind well, of company I want to work
1: in. Well, and, and, and it's it's not like... The thing is that the just the nature of it... So, for example, let's take DevJavu and GitHub. Like, originally the thing that made me decide, okay, I'm just going to stop, is because GitHub was doing a way better job. I'm like, they've solved this problem better than I can. And sure, I can probably find a niche, like enterprise, you know, like more private projects and on all that stuff because GitHub started more focusing on public stuff. Eventually, they started doing enterprise and all that stuff. But, you know, I figured they solved the problem well enough that I don't really need to try to do this. Um, And that's fine. Like, I'm fine with using GitHub because it solves the problem. If there's, uh, and there's problems with like the whole like, you know when they don't make the right choices or you have problems with them everybody always has problems with something anyway so right. um i guess there's this whole like oh you need alternatives but like when it when it solves a problem that's less of an issue like um if uber solves the problem it's not i don't actually care if there's no lift you know
0: yeah, yeah, to some degree. I, I find though that like, yeah, okay, they're they're a benign startup right now because they really want growth, so they're going to do everything they can to make you happy. Mm-hmm. But if they're the only game in town, eventually they become Verizon or Comcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's that dynamic as as well. But and um, so I'm
0: I'm just at the point now where if I see that type of company, I assume they're going to be awful in the future. But
1: it's sort of like it. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like that's sort of an inevitable uh, dynamic of the system of growth startup.
0: Um, small businesses don't do that their goal is not to consume all their competitors and so they don't generally like they're not as monopoly seeking well that's
1: because they go after different they go after niche markets and stuff like that or they work locally or regionally or whatever right right but like
0: I'd often rather see a hundred small businesses instead of one giant corporation However, it got there, whether it was a startup or, or the creation by an existing giant corporation. Yeah, it just blew your mind with that sentence.
1: Hmm. Well, I was just trying to think because you know, at the if it solves a problem, it's going to succeed. Like if it solves a problem well, and it does everything else that it needs to do well, like it's going to just naturally become a dominant thing.
0: Yeah, like I'm interested to see if someone will come in and replace Uber. Um, in a way that gives the gatekeeper less control and gives the drivers more control, which would then be a better system, at least right now.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Over is a weird one because they're gonna end up firing all of their drivers, which they've already said. Uh so that's a whole nother conversation of, of future of work in a automation society.
1: So I mean that's that so but if we go back to like the example of GitHub and vu um yeah, I, the the like I said, it was I, I basically gave up because well, you did something I didn't about yourself. Want
0: to, what? You learned something about yourself, which is that you're more interested in the solutions to problems existing than you are in being the winner of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's like an important part. Like if you want to be in a startup, make sure that you're ready to play the game. Because yeah. if you don't play the game, you're not aligned. It's going to be stressful. You're going to be upset.
1: The, like play to win yeah
0: or, or at least understand that it's the game being played and you're yeah. okay with that yeah. you know maybe maybe you're just a free writer maybe you're like yeah i'm doing cool shit in tech and everyone else is playing this game and i'm fine with that but you got to know that the game's happening right. and you you kind of have to be a player in on the larger board so that's that's how it gets to my uh last thing i really want to say was like a litmus test for like okay i'm at a startup right now um do i typically fits think you should stay at that startup it's really simple are you happy with your day-to-day if what you're doing on a day to day basis is making you happy, then yes, you should stay at that startup. If it's not, if it's like, oh, it's too much stress, uh, things are falling apart, I don't see a good future here, but I want the money. Or, but I think maybe it'll change. Like, no, 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 no. Reevaluate. And maybe we can figure like,
1: oh, I'm I'm like vesting like that's not a good reason to stay if you're not happy.
0: Yeah, that's real shitty, too, because it's not going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, say for like you can make a, a concrete like the uh, JWZ, the guy who worked at Netscape and then bought the DNA lounge and it still runs it. Uh, he had like his terminal tell him how many dollars he would actually lose if he quit right now. Like that's really shitty place to be. But also like, OK, you're making a financial decision with actual numbers. The shitty part is when you're like, I'm staying at this company because I think it's really bad because I don't want to, and the nebulous reason that doesn't actually equate to real dollars. So uh, if you're staying at a company because you don't want to quit because you don't want it to look bad on your resume, fuck that. No one cares. You know, it, you don't have to stay somewhere for a year. You don't have to be polite to your employers. They're not going to be polite to you. You know, if the fundamentals of the business go off, they're going to lay everyone off in a heartbeat. That's, that's the game. That's the reality that you're in. Um... If you're in a situation where you're unhappy in the startup, you don't just have to quit. You just have to be assertive. Mm -hmm. You just have to figure out what is going to make it a successful relationship for you and then go after that at all costs. And remember, if you're in tech, then you're 10 steps ahead of everyone who's not. And there are always job opportunities.
1: Yeah, so many things that people forget. Usually young people, too. But, you know... Again, that's sort of like, you need, it's, it, they're the ones that end up doing, take do startups regardless of all these reasons not to do startups.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're in a startup and you're unhappy and you burn out of it, like that's not necessarily, like, you're going to learn from that I and mean, it's still going to have positive value for you. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, to hardcore judge anyone else's personal decisions in their lifestyle. I just think that the news YC view of startups are the only way to solve the world's problems is just, you know, terrible and wrong. And There's ridiculous. a lot of other
1: options that if people knew that there were other options and the pros and cons, they might make different decisions. Yep. Okay, that wraps it up.